the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. President Joe Biden cites the war in Ukraine for a coming food shortage. Talk about food shortages. And uh, and it's going to be real. Senate confirmation hearings conclude. I cannot and will not support Judge Jackson. Lawmakers across the country scramble to ease the pain of inflation. We wanted to take some, you know, urgent, immediate action. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast. Your first look at today's top stories for Friday, March 25th. I'm Mike Scott. The latest on the war in Ukraine. Russian troops have been unable to advance on the capital of Kiev. To the east, Ukrainian forces have pushed back several groups of Russian soldiers. In southern Ukraine, Russian troops had overrun Kherson and Melitopol, but faced civilian protest in the key port city of Mariupol. It remains largely under siege. Meantime, U.S. President Joe Biden and NATO allies have begun the first of three summits focused on increasing pressure on Russian President Vladimir Putin over his war in Ukraine. While tending to the economic and security fallout spreading across Europe and the world. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says if Russia was to use chemical weapons, they could easily reach NATO territory. Of course, there is also a risk that uh, we can see the spread of chemical agents also into NATO territory. I will not speculate uh, beyond the fact that NATO is always ready uh, to defend, to protect and to react to any uh, type. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says NATO countries need to be in agreement over their response to the attack on Ukraine. I think it's now up to to NATO to uh, consider uh, together the appalling crisis in uh, in Ukraine, the appalling suffering of the people of Ukraine, and to to see what more we can do to help the people of Ukraine to to protect themselves, uh, see what more we can do to uh, tighten the economic vice around the Putin regime. Lithuania's President Gatanis Naseda says Ukrainian officials have told him of the horrific situation in the port city of Mariupol. Hundreds of killed people in the streets. It's not possible to bury them because of constant shelling. Uh, so we have to find the solutions, humanitarian solutions. But of course, it's extremely difficult to find those solutions if one of the sites is not ready, just unwilling to find those solutions intentionally bombing, intentionally killing innocent people. President Joe Biden also took to the podium at the event, saying allied nations are united against Vladimir Putin. Putin was banking on NATO being split. My early conversation with him in December and early January was clear to me he didn't think we could sustain this cohesion. NATO has never, never been more united than it is today. Putin is getting exactly the opposite of what he intended to have 
as a consequence of going into Ukraine. Biden was also asked if NATO would launch a military response if Russia uses chemical weapons. It would trigger a response in kind, whether or not you're asking whether NATO would cross We'd make that decision at the time. Former Missouri Senator Jim Tallon joined the Salem Radio Network to discuss what the Biden administration should be doing to help Ukraine. We should be sending them whatever systems will help them in this conflict without worrying about whether we call them defensive or offensive. The bright line test should be we're going to support the Ukrainians in this. We're not going to involve our own forces. And so we should support the Ukrainians with whatever conventional weapons would be useful, whether that's fighter aircraft or the rest of it. It's not escalatory. I've said from the beginning on this show and other shows, you don't want to climb the escalatory ladder with Putin, but you do that when you engage your own forces or NATO forces, not when you support the Ukraine. The former senator says the big issue is Germany's energy dependence on Russia. We have to wait to see with the Germans. And, you know, they're preparing plans to ration uh, natural gas. So the issue is whether their energy policy has put them in such a corner that they cannot do what they've said they now want to do, which is to uh, reassert some kind of a leadership role in Germany. Talon also says that Germany's energy situation should be a wake-up call for all Western democracies. You'd think that would have occurred to people before this. Um, Energy production and energy security is absolutely vital for the Western democracies if they're going to defend themselves. And the best way to do that is to produce yourself, but also you can rely on on sources uh, that are not authoritarian. You may have to go without some of your favorite foods for a time. President Joe Biden warning Americans a food shortage may be coming. Biden citing the war being waged by Russia and Ukraine says that in addition to sanctions imposed by the West... Warnings about fertilizer and wheat scarcity are real. The ongoing conflict cuts off most Ukrainian grain exports. 95% passes through the ports of the Black Sea. This has created a massive crisis in global markets and exacerbated fears of a food crisis. MSNBC foreign correspondent Jacob Soboroff explains how he believes the export crisis may compound Ukraine's food shortage. Agriculture has spread, uh, Chris, actually all throughout this country because uh, the topography, the the climate uh, makes this uh, country uh, suitable to growing agriculture uh, in almost every in every part of it. So um, that's part of the issue here. The exports from the Black Sea um, are, for all intents and purposes, uh, cut off. And those exports come from virtually every area of the country, uh, which makes this you, you said it. A hurricane of hunger. As a result, the Russian invasion of Ukraine has dealt a major setback to global food security for some nations, sending the price of several staples like wheat, corn, and oil through the roof. To make matters worse, there are reports of Russian troops now targeting food warehouses. This food crisis is already in in process and progress. It's a slow motion um, disaster that is already uh, underway. Uh, And not, by the way, just because of the limitations on exports. Uh, Vladimir Putin is is making it a deliberate strategy to target the food supply himself. There was that food storage warehouse in Kiev that was attacked. The longer the conflict takes, 
the more prolonged the negative effect on the availability of food. So what's going to happen is there will be not only a famine, in the potential famine in those parts of the world, um, but also additional pressure on us, uh, the United States, uh, to produce and export uh, throughout the world. So that's going to uh, affect uh, both uh, on the hunger level of uh, people throughout the world, but also the prices for, for pretty much all of us uh, across the planet. South Korea and Japan say North Korea has tested a banned intercontinental ballistic missile for the first time since 2017, and the U.S. will strongly condemn North Korea. Daybreak Insider's Greg Cluxton joins us with details. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki called the launch a brazen violation of U.N. Security Council resolutions. She said President Biden and his national security team are assessing the situation in close coordination with allies and partners. The White House statement said the door has not closed on diplomacy, but Pyongyang must immediately cease its destabilizing actions. Winding down the confirmation hearings in Washington this week, the Supreme Court confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson ended Thursday with testimony from outside witnesses both for and against her confirmation to the nation's high court. After spending four days enduring questioning from Republican and Democrat lawmakers, Jackson moves a step closer to becoming the first black woman ever to serve on the Supreme Court. In remarks, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says he will vote against Brown-Jackson's confirmation. I cannot and will not support Judge Jackson for a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. McConnell says the federal judge refused to take a public position on whether the Supreme Court should be expanded. The most radical pro-court-packing fringe groups badly wanted this nominee for this vacancy. Judge Jackson was the court packer's pick, and she testified like it. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin says he hopes many Republicans will vote for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. If this turns out to be a strictly partisan vote with this historic opportunity, it'll be sad. Sad for our country and sad as a commentary on where the parties are today. Durbin says it's rich, in his opinion, for Mitch McConnell to complain about court packing since he's the one who would not allow President Obama's high court pick to proceed. And for a year, Mitch McConnell, for his own political purposes, kept the court composition at eight. So when it comes to moving the numbers of justices, he has retired the trophy in modern times because he was the one who did it. Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton later joined Fox News and said Brown Jackson is an activist judge. Judge Jackson is a far-left activist. She always has been. Just because she put on a black robe 10 years ago, she didn't change. Senator Cotton cites an immigration law as to why he believes that she will just bend the law to obtain her preferred outcome. She took an immigration law that removed all jurisdiction from the federal courts for expedited removal. The Trump administration acted on that law, and she still reviewed it. And she still enjoined the Trump regulation nationwide. Her court of appeals, one of the more liberal court of appeals in America, said that it was a blatant disregard for the plain language of the statute. It goes to show that a far less left activist will take the steps they want to achieve the results. New polling says inflation is a key concern 
for the Latino population. According to a new Axios-Ipsos Latino poll, Latino support for Democrats is softening in a big way as inflation replaces COVID-19 as a top worry. The survey does not show a mass defection to the Republican Party, but two trends since the last survey in December are hurting President Biden and his party. A waning intention to vote in the midterms and a new GOP advantage on which party is better for the economy. Latino Democratic and GOP consultants have been saying both parties have been ignoring Hispanic voters and tend to engage them only in the final days of political campaigns. Chuck Rocha, a Latino Democrat strategist, believes there are a few reasons why Democrats are seeing a growing number of Latinos vote Republican. The average age of a Latino voter in America is just 27. So Latinos are coming of age much quicker than the average population. So what that means is there's lots of young Latinos who don't know Democrat or Republican, but they know of Donald Trump. They may have seen him on TV. They knew he was the president. And Democrats, one of the faults that we have been doing is that we've been spending a lot of time talking to older Latinos who are prime voters who always show up and historically vote for us at 60, 70, and in some states, 80 percent for Democrats. Rocha also says that Republicans are doing something Democrats are not. As these Latinos have come of age and gotten older, because we haven't spent enough time talking to Latinos when they're young, they're starting to act more and more like young people as a whole and split their vote either way. That's why you see a shift, not dramatically, but little by little going towards Republicans, because Republicans smartly have started spending money that they used to not spend at all in bilingual communication, talking to our community. In Washington, some Democrat lawmakers are proposing a possible solution to high gas prices, direct rebate payments to Americans. Three congressional leaders have proposed $100 energy rebate payments that would be sent to Americans during any month when the national average gas price is higher than $4 a gallon. The bill is called the Gas Rebate Act of 2022. It was proposed by Representatives Mike Thompson of California and Lauren Underwood of Illinois. Republican Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland says that suspending the gas tax in his state was a bipartisan no-brainer. We saw the pain at the pump with the rapidly rising prices that everybody across the country was seeing, and we decided we wanted to take some you know, urgent, immediate action. And this all came together really quickly. Uh, within a week of us calling on our legislature to act, uh, they passed this unanimously across party lines in both houses. Uh, and, and so here in Maryland, instead of just arguing about who's to blame for it, we decided to uh, take immediate action to do something about it. But many critics, including Republican lawmakers, say those checks will not go far enough, given the pace of inflation. They are pushing for permanent tax cuts instead. Shareholders of the embattled Japanese electronics and energy giant Toshiba have rejected a major restructuring plan. Daybreak Insider's Jeremy House has that story. A plan proposed by management last month called for splitting Tokyo-based Toshiba into two companies, one focused on infrastructure and the other on devices. 
foreign investment funds and U.S.-based proxy advisory firm Institutional Shareholder Services opposed the plan. Shareholders also rejected a request from major shareholder 3D Investment Partners based in Singapore for a fuller objective review of alternatives, including a buyout. And finally, a phased reopening of the Capitol, which has been closed to the public for two years due to the COVID-19 pandemic, will officially start next Monday. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has that story. House Sergeant-at-Arms William Walker and Capitol Physician Brian Monahan announced in a memo to lawmakers and staff on Wednesday that the public reopening would take place gradually over the next few months. Members of the Capitol Police Board, which includes the House and Senate Sergeants-at-Arms, and the architect of the Capitol, crafted the reopening plan earlier this month and have now formally approved it. The reopening comes as the Capitol complex has relaxed COVID-19 restrictions in recent weeks, while case numbers dropped in Washington, D.C. Bernie Bennett in Washington. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.